Hey, welcome to God's Dream for Your Life, part three. We've been learning from the true story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, learning that God does have a dream for your life. And even when you go through difficult seasons, it doesn't mean that his dream has ended. His dream might be harder, but it is also bigger and it is better than your own dream for your life. Today, I want to talk with you about your position in life your position in life. Uh, I don't know if you remember this feeling. I remember when I was a kid, my school had this big raffle. They had all these prizes, you know, radio controlled cars, and we all had these little raffle tickets. And as an elementary age kid, I was so optimistic. I was so sure that as they called out the winning numbers that I would have one of them. And I just remember looking down at my ticket and rereading that number over and over again. And they finally read all the winners And my position was not that I was a winner. My position in life was that I was a loser in that moment. Do you know that feeling? Have you felt that feeling as a child? Have you felt that feeling as an adult where it just seems like you never win? Or maybe there's an area in your life where it just seems like other people are winning and you're not. You know, I was thinking about being at the right place at the right time. And it reminded me of some of these fantastic baseball catches that happen at Major League Baseball games. Now, whether you're into baseball or not, I think you're going to find this clip fascinating and interesting. Go ahead and take a look at these people who were in the right place at the right time. Down the right field line, and it's foul out of play. Oh, man, one-handed grab. Oh. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Foul back. There's the fastball. We got a good play here. Oh. Two hands. Tell me he didn't just do it twice. One handed. Oh. Stop it. That's driven down the right field line. Taking nothing away. Hey, that's a backhand. That's a good play. Look at this grab. Well, I don't know if you noticed or not, but that second guy, he caught two fly balls in a row at the exact same spot. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. And look at this one where this dad holding his little girl, one-handed catches this Major League Baseball going who knows how fast. But look at these other two guys. Wrong place at the wrong time, right? He's like, it's me. I'm going to get the ball. No, not so much. Now, this guy actually gets lucky because you think of how fast this thing was going. It was probably going to hit that guy in the face. So he should be thankful for the guy in front of him. But here's the question. Where in your life are you uncomfortable or unhappy with your position in life? Where in your life do you just feel like, you know, my finances, they're not in the position I thought they would be, or my relationships are not in the position that I thought they would be? Maybe you're in retirement or nearing retirement, and something in your life is just not the way you always imagined it would be. Maybe you thought you'd be more fulfilled, or maybe there's people in your life who you thought you'd be close with, and they're not in your life anymore. Where in your life... Are you unhappy or are you uncomfortable with your position? We know that after every presidential election, typically about one half of the nation is very uncomfortable with their position. Now, whether your uncomfortable position has to do with the nation or with your health 
or with your finances or your family, if I could tell you today how to take that uncomfortable position and how to see it transform to actually become a springboard into God's dream for your life, into your destiny, would you want to know how? Well, this is exactly what we've been learning in the story of Joseph. Because this is exactly what happened to Joseph. You talk about uncomfortable positions. The majority of his life was incredibly uncomfortable positions. In fact, let's look through the many positions of Joseph's life. First, he was a youngest man. I know how that feels. But in his case, he was bullied. He was hated. He was betrayed. He was sold as a slave. You think of the physical discomfort of being in that position as well as the emotional agony. Treated like an object rather than a person. And then we learned last week how Joseph worked his way up in the house of Potiphar, the Egyptian. And then Potiphar's wife lies about him and he's a victim of unjust accusations. After that, he's in the position of an inmate. And we're going to see as we make our way to the end of Joseph's story, that he'll also end up in the position of a world ruler. Now there's so much for you to learn and for me to learn about how to get through the seasons of life when we're in difficult positions. And as you think about Joseph, I just want to point out these difficult positions, this one he was in for 17 years. As a slave, he was there for probably 10 years. As an inmate, he was there for two or three years. And then even when he becomes a world ruler, we're going to see that he's a busy, active employee of the Pharaoh. Joseph spent his life serving others. And we're going to pick up in his story in Genesis 39, verse 20. God's word tells us Joseph's master took him to put him in prison. This is right after Joseph is falsely accused. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now we learned last week that while it may seem like Joseph's life is a series of unfortunate events, there was an all-powerful God overseeing Joseph's life. An all-powerful God who could turn even the worst situations for good. And we saw last week that this position was actually positioning Joseph for his destiny. Did you know that sometimes your greatest problems can be positioning you to fulfill your purpose in life? Look at this as the text continues. It says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And just like God blessed Joseph when he was a slave and everything he did succeeded, God's going to do the same thing with Joseph in prison. Well, we're told in Genesis chapter 40 that sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, they offended the king. Now, we don't know for sure exactly what their offense was. It could be that they laughed at the wrong time, or it could be that the king thought there was a plot to kill him. This is why he had a cupbearer, was to taste the food and die before him. So we don't know exactly what this cupbearer and baker did, but we know they got in trouble with the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt. They end up in this prison, and then we're told that the captain of the guard there in the prison, he assigned Joseph, and Joseph attended 
That's a verb, to serve. Joseph started to serve them, and it's so interesting. This is Joseph's character. You might remember from week one, one of the reasons Joseph's brothers hated him is that he would look out for his dad's flocks. And if they were supposed to be out taking care of the sheep and they weren't, he would go tell his dad. His brothers hated him for that. But it was Joseph's character to be responsible. It was Joseph's character to care for others and to work hard. Joseph, who had faithfully cared for his dad's sheep, and then Joseph, who had faithfully served Potiphar, is now faithfully serving this butler and this cupbearer. So let's return to our question, what can you do with your painful position in life? Because in Joseph's story, we see God take these painful positions and turn them for good. So how can you experience the same in your life? Well, here's the first thing we see from Joseph's life in the word of God. No matter your position, serve others and do it as if you're actually serving God. You might think, how could someone who's wrongly enslaved for 10 years be a really great servant to that master? Well, it's because Joseph wasn't doing it for Potiphar. We learned last week, he said, how could I do this sin against God? Joseph always saw God as bigger than his employer or his masters or his brothers or his opponents. Joseph believed that God loves people and he served people with a heart that says, I'm actually serving God. Now you might be thinking in your life, John, this idea of serving others for God, I don't feel like it. Well, I'm sure there were days where Joseph didn't feel like it either. You know, what will happen in your life if you don't serve other people as unto God? Well, I can tell you in Joseph's life, if he hadn't served others as unto God, he would have done what any other person would have done, become bitter, become cynical. He would have spent the rest of his life just telling everyone how his brothers wronged him and how terrible it is to be a slave. And he would have missed out on the opportunities in his life. What will happen if you don't serve others as unto God? You're going to miss out on opportunities. And things that you could heal from and forgive, you'll remain bitter about. Or more positively, what will happen in your life if you do serve others as unto God? Here's exactly what will happen. No matter your position, serve others for God. And then here's what God will do. He will prepare you. You see, those 10 years as a slave, Joseph was being prepared. Those 17 years as a youngest with sheep, Joseph was being prepared. Even in the prison, Joseph is being prepared. If you will choose, no matter what position you're in, to serve others with a heart that says, I'm actually doing this for God. So even if they don't appreciate it, even if they're not the easiest people to serve or to love or to work for or wherever God has stationed you. Maybe you're a mom and you feel like, my kids, they are the most ungrateful. I can't believe how hard I work for them. Keep serving them as unto God. And what will God do? Exactly what he did for Joseph. He will continue to prepare you. He's preparing you in your classroom. He's preparing you in your place of work. He's preparing you in that difficult relationship 
He's preparing you in the kitchen, in the laundry room. He's preparing you when you're up early driving to work and you don't feel like it. He's preparing you to fulfill your purpose. When Joseph was laboring in the fields of Egypt for this ruler Potiphar, God was preparing him. When he was getting promoted through the ranks of Potiphar's household, God was preparing Joseph for his purpose. And you've got to know that where your season is uncomfortable, where your position is uncomfortable, it's temporary. It'll end. It might not feel like it'll end. Ten years of slavery must have felt like a lifetime, but that season had an end date. And at the end of that, the question was, will Joseph be prepared? That's what Joseph could control. God prepared Joseph through his obedient service. And that's what put Joseph on a path to fulfill his purpose. And what would his purpose do? It would prosper others. Joseph's life purpose would save his family from starvation. It would actually save two nations from starvation during famine. And what else would it do? Well, that life purpose would dovetail right into the very plan of God in Joseph's life. Did you know that God placed you at this moment in history for a purpose? God has a purpose for your life and his purpose involves your fulfillment. It involves the prospering of others, whether emotionally, spiritually, or maybe even materially. God wants to use you to be a blessing in his plan to love humanity, to redeem humanity. But if you don't serve others, you'll miss out on God's plan, his dream for your life. Paul the Apostle, writing to all followers of Jesus, put it this way in Colossians 3, verse 23. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. If God calls you to be a plumber, be the very best plumber you can be. If he calls you to be an accountant, be the best accountant you can be. If he calls you to be a mom or a dad, a grandpa or a grandma, a husband or a wife, an aunt or an uncle, be the best that you can be because what you're doing when you show up for work or when you show up in that relationship, you're doing it for the Lord not for human approval. This is such a perspective change in life. So many people get hung up because the people around them are unhealthy. Little news flash for you. The people around all of us are unhealthy. And guess what? When I'm around people, they're also around an unhealthy person. Emotionally, we're all broken. We're all imperfect. And if you make your life choices and if you find your stability based on the people around you, you're going to be like a ship out on a really stormy ocean. But if you find your stability, your identity, your purpose in saying, I'm doing this for God. I'm waking up today because God has a purpose for me. I'm going to work today. I'm taking care of my family today because God has a purpose for me. You're going to end up having so much more fulfillment, so much more stability, and it puts you on the path to fulfill your purpose in life, God's dream for your life. Well, you might be listening to this and you might be thinking, John, I would serve God and others the way that you're describing, but I just can't because of some painful difficulty, you fill in the blank. And here's an observation that I want to make from Joseph's life. You see, Joseph couldn't control his place or his times. Joseph didn't get a vote or a say in when he was a slave, when he was an inmate, 
when he was hated by his brothers or when he was Pharaoh's right-hand person, Joseph didn't get to pick his place or his times. It's not like God opens up an encyclopedia with a timeline in heaven and says, you know, do you want to be born during the Renaissance or during Roman rule? We don't get to pick that. God chose that you would be born right now because God has a purpose for you right now. And just like Joseph couldn't control his place or his times, we can't. But here's what Joseph could control and what you can control in your life today. Joseph controlled the person he was becoming. Every one of these difficult positions in Joseph's life was like a fork in the road. When his brothers sold him as a slave, he could have gone down the path of bitterness and anger. He could have held on to that for the rest of his life. And yet at the end of the book of Genesis, we see that Joseph had chosen a path of forgiveness. When he finds himself as a slave in Potiphar's house, he couldn't control the place or the time, but he had a fork in the road. He could choose to be an angry slave and everything Potiphar wants done, he's going to kind of mess it up. Or he could choose to say, I'm going to do my best as unto the Lord, which put him on his path of purpose. You know, in my life, I've learned I can't control when unfair things happen to me. And you can't control when unfair things happen to you. But we can always control the person who we're becoming in response to that. I got a message earlier this week from a brother in our church. He was deeply grieved because someone somewhere out there on the internet was saying something negative about the fact that we had a drive-in movie theater in our parking lot for Christmas. Hey, I'm not ashamed of it. I think it was awesome. And we know people who were here and heard about Jesus because of it. But this brother was saying, how could another Christian be so mean to us as a church? And I spent some time talking with him. Because when I first became a pastor, when I left my journalism career and started with a small church in Arizona, I remember the first time other Christians criticized me. And I remember thinking, why would they do this? I gave up a whole career and way of life to try to serve God. Why would these other Christians come after me and call me these names and stuff? And I remember thinking, you know what? These Christians, they can either be the very best of people or totally the worst of people. And you know what? I've found that to be true. And here's my encouragement to you as a Christian. Be one of the ones who's one of the best of people. But here's what I learned as a young pastor when that little church in Arizona was growing and there were a few people who had heard some rumors and jumped to some conclusions about me and I had to decide something as a young pastor at that time. I had to decide, am I going to obsess over an injustice and being misrepresented and wrong assumptions? Or am I going to trust God? Am I going to forgive? Am I going to love others? Am I going to keep serving faithfully and obsess on God being bigger than any of the people who misunderstand me or even type things on the internet about me? In other words, am I going to obsess on painful things that I can't control? Or am I going to obsess on the person I'm becoming. I'm going to be a person who always believes that God still has a plan. And that's a choice you make every time you wake up to difficulty. A person who knows, I'm going to give account to God someday, not for my critics and what they thought or said, not for people who've wronged me. I'm going to give account to God for me. So when I go through difficulty, I'm going to focus on who am I becoming? 
You know, Joseph, he would never give account to God for Potiphar. He'd never give account to God for Potiphar's lying wife or for Pharaoh. And you won't give account in your life for presidents or political parties, for people who wrong you. You're not going to give account to God for them, but you are going to give account to God for you. So here's my question. In your uncomfortable position, whatever it might be in life, who are you becoming? How is your character shaping? Who are you becoming in your workplace? Who are you becoming in your relationships? You know, God wants to shape your character. He wants to make it a sturdy vessel through which he can pour his blessing into the lives of others. That only happens when you become more focused on who you're becoming than on what is being done to you or what is being done in the world. I love this verse in Romans chapter 8. This is part of God's plan for your life as a follower of Christ. It says this in verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. He knew that you would have a day where you called out for salvation. You'd be adopted into the family of God. And he chose you. Now, why did God choose you? Well, scripture tells us to become like his son. An older translation of this uses the word conformed. If you think of the word to form something, God wants to form you to the shape of Jesus in your character. He wants you to see the world the way he does. He wants you, your heart to be the shape of his heart. And so here's the question, who are you becoming in life? And how does God want you to respond when life puts you in a painful position? He wants you to pay attention to him. Over and over in Joseph's life, we see Joseph say, I couldn't do this against God. I can't do this for you, Pharaoh. I can't tell you what your dream means, but God can. And his brothers come back and they say, Joseph, we know you're gonna kill us. We just know you're gonna kill us. We deserve it. And he says, why would I do that? God is your judge. Joseph over and over sees God as bigger. God wants you to see him bigger in the difficulty you're going through. God wants you to keep faithfully serving others in the difficulty that you're going through. Joseph never lost sight that God had not been shaken, that God's dream had not been threatened, that God's work had not been stifled. You know, I've learned I can't control the unfair things that happen in the world, but I can always control who I'm becoming. Now let's jump back into Joseph's story when he meets these two characters who got kicked out of Pharaoh's palace, the chief baker and the cup bearer. Now without going into too much detail, the chief baker obviously made the food for the palace. The cup bearer would taste it. And again, the king was mad at them. The Pharaoh was mad at them for some reason. He throws them both in prison and there's Joseph. And Joseph, right away, where many others would have seen it as an inconvenience, here's two more inmates to take care of Joseph, he sees it as an opportunity. Why? Because he knows God's in control, God has a plan. Well, let me summarize what happens. These two guys have dreams. Big surprise with Joseph's life, right? Joseph has a gift with dreams from God. And Joseph is now going to use his gift to serve others. Do these guys share his religion? No. Do they share his race? No. Do they have anything in common with him? The only thing they have in common is they're in the same prison. And Joseph says, I will serve you with the gifts that I have as unto God. 
So they tell him their two dreams. Joseph uses his gift to interpret those dreams. Now, <laughs> one is good and one is bad. The, the dreams are cupbearer. You're going to be restored back to Pharaoh. You're going to get your job back. And uh, Baker, bad news. The interpretation of your dream is uh, Pharaoh's going to get mad and kill you. So sorry, don't shoot the messenger. Both those dreams then come true. And the cupbearer gets restored to his position, standing right next to Pharaoh, tasting all his food. Now, here's the thing. If you look at this in your life application study Bible, you'll see Joseph says, hey, uh, I know this dream's going to come true. It's from God. You're going to go back to Pharaoh. When you do, don't forget me. In fact, when you get there, would you tell Pharaoh about me? Tell him my story. Tell him my character. Well, look at this in Genesis 40, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, now restored in Pharaoh's presence, sadly did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. It's such a, a small detail in Joseph's story. Be easy to overlook. But don't we all deal in our lives with people who forget us? Or people who are careless? Joseph is going to spend another two years in prison as a result of this guy who he helped just being lazy, being forgetful. And it's this reminder that just as evil people cannot stop God's dream in your life, careless and lazy people, people who frustrate you, they also can't stop God's dream in your life. Joseph is going to spend another two years in prison knowing that the cupbearer who he helped is sitting and eating food with Pharaoh. But look at this. After two years, Genesis 41, verse 1, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. And I'll summarize what happens for you. Pharaoh starts to talk about this dream and the cupbearer is there and the cupbearer goes, oh my goodness, Pharaoh, I'm an idiot. I totally forgot. When I was in prison, there was this Hebrew and he could interpret dreams. And Pharaoh, that's actually the whole reason I'm here with you. You should get him to interpret your dream. And so we're told in Genesis 41 that Pharaoh summons Joseph. And as would always happen in those Egyptian cultures, it was a very clean culture for the upper class. Uh, they prided themselves on how clean they were. So Joseph has to get properly cleaned up physically. And then he gets taken straight to Pharaoh. And in verse 15 of chapter 41, we pick up with this world ruler, Pharaoh, talking to Joseph. Here's what he says. I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you. In other words, Joseph had a reputation. Joseph had a reputation. Who he was was a person of good reputation even when he was an inmate. Even when he was a slave, he was a person of good reputation because his character was known, that he serves others, that he's a person of integrity, that he's honest, that he's faithful. And this cupbearer tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I've heard this of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, we're at this moment where Joseph now, after the pit, after the slavery, after the prison, He's been cleaned up. He's in Pharaoh's presence. And this is Joseph's breakthrough moment in life. This is going to be his springboard from discomfort to destiny. In fact, you could think back to those Major League Baseball catches. This is kind of where Joseph is right now. 
And you might be reading this story or listening to the story. And you might think, you know what? Talk about the right place at the right time. Is that all Joseph's story's about? I mean, is it just that he was at the right place at the right time? And I want to suggest to you that if you really read Joseph's story in Genesis, you'll come to a different conclusion. You see, Joseph had been obeying God and that prepared Joseph to be the right person at the right time. You know, Joseph could have been in that same prison with the cupbearer and butler. And if he wasn't the right person, he would have missed his destiny. Maybe you're in a prison right now or you're in a slavery of some sort right now and you're just so tired of it, but you're missing trusting God, serving others as unto God. And so you're missing becoming the right person and eventually that door is gonna open. That ball is gonna come flying. And if you're the right person, you're ready to catch it. But if you're not the right person, well, you're like that guy in the seat behind who almost gets it in the head, right? Your destiny, your moment will come to you at some point because God is in control. The question is, when it comes to you, will your eyes be up? Will your hands be strong? Will you be ready to make the catch? And until that moment, your life is about more than just enduring the difficulty. Your life is about becoming. You're either becoming the person who makes the catch or you're becoming the person who gets beamed in the head. Which one are you becoming in your difficulty? Which one are you becoming? You could put it this way. Your problems are positioning you to fulfill your purpose. Joseph's, every single one of his problems positioned him to fulfill his purpose. And yet, if he hadn't become the right person, he never could have fulfilled his purpose. Even if he had been stood before Pharaoh that day, but he hadn't been faithful to serve others, he wouldn't have been ready to serve Pharaoh. Next week, we'll learn more from Joseph's story of the faithfulness then once Pharaoh appoints him, he serves and everything he learned under Potiphar, everything he learned even in those first 17 years of life, it was all preparation for his purpose. And Joseph didn't miss it because he became who God wanted him to be even when he went through the fires of difficulty. In your uncomfortable position, I just want to encourage you today, focus on who you're becoming. Focus on how God is bigger. Ask yourself, am I truly serving others? Am I serving others faithfully as unto God? Say to yourself, I will prepare myself to be the right person. The right person who can live out God's dream for me. We can't control the time in which we live. We can't fully control the places in which we live. But we can fully control who we become. Joseph was prepared for his breakthrough moment because he faithfully served God in humble, humble positions. You know, Jesus tells this story in Matthew chapter 25. He actually predicts what it will be like at the end of time when every human being is judged before God. And Jesus always tells these stories in two categories. People who go into eternal life, people who go into eternal darkness. There's no third category with Jesus. And in this story, he calls it the sheep and the goats. 
And Jesus, with those who enter into his kingdom, he says, uh, well done. He says, enter in. But for those who don't, many of them are confused. They say, well, you know, we did these religious things. And Jesus says to them, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me something to drink. And there are other people, if you read Matthew 25, who are surprised that they get into the kingdom. And Jesus says, I was in prison and you visited me. I was homeless and you gave me a place to stay. You see, the point is this. Joseph is a picture of the ultimate servant, Jesus the Christ, the suffering servant, who would lay down his life for the sins of the world. And as we follow Jesus, even the hard things we go through, they prepare us to be more empathetic, to be more loving to the people that God calls us to serve. Earlier in our giving moment, we celebrated the life of Dan Crum. Uh, Dan recently retired and he retired to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he's hanging out with his grandkids and his kids. Here's a picture of Dan with his family. Now, what's so inspiring about Dan's life is that Dan was a small group leader in this church 30-some years ago. And he was here living the American dream when he went on a mission trip and he felt a call to give his life as a missionary in Kenya. And for the next 26 years, here's what Dan did. He served in Kenya, pouring out his life for others. Now, most of us aren't called to Kenya. Many of you watching, you're called to be an attorney or you're called to be a school teacher. You're called to be a mom or a dad or a student. Going to Kenya, per se, isn't more spiritual than what you're called to do. The point of Dan's story is the surrender, the abandon, saying, God, I'm on this earth to serve others as unto you. You see, when we really zoom out from Joseph's story, what we realize is that the pit and the prison, those years of difficulty, well, those can be compared to our entire time on earth. This earth is a prison spiritually. This earth is separated away from God. And there is a paradise, there's a palace, there's an eternal life, there's a reward for those who serve others as unto God in this life. Now, serving others doesn't mean you have to go to Kenya. It means you say every day, God, I believe you've positioned me where you want me to be. So who are the people in my family, in my neighborhood, in my workplace? God, I'm going to be active in my church to be serving you. Let's go back to this big idea. No matter your position, serve others for God. Are you doing that? Do you need a refresher on that? Has maybe some of the difficulty in the world around you distracted you away from that? If you will faithfully serve others as unto God, and this can be as simple as praying for people, God sees what's done in secret. God knows we serve from the heart. Are you intentionally serving others from God? If so, he'll prepare you for his purpose in your life, which is his dream for your life. And your life then will be not only a life of fulfillment. I mean, I look at that picture of Dan Crum, retired now, living up by his kids and his grandkids. He's really experiencing what most people dream of in their retirement years. And he didn't get there by saying, how can I make the most money and get everything right? He said, I'm going to lay down my life to serve others. And now God has given him just this joy. If you meet Dan Crum, you'll, you'll see just this radiating joy 
probably pretty similar to Joseph. Where does it all come from? It comes from seeing God as bigger and saying, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to live a life that serves others as unto God, believing that when I obey God, where he's placed me, he's preparing me, he's positioning me to live out my purpose and to be part of his great plan, the rescuing of all people. Well, as we wrap up, let me just point this out to you today. No matter what you're facing in life, the person you're becoming matters more than the problems you're facing. And I hope you hear my heart as a shepherd. I'm not here to, to judge you or to make you feel like you're not measuring up. I'm here to cheer you on. I'm here to encourage you. And maybe God brought you into this message to just remind you that the life of following Jesus is a life of serving others as unto God. Uh, maybe you're here in this moment and you just need this reminder, I am becoming someone. Every day I'm becoming someone. And would you join me today in just saying, I will serve others faithfully as unto the Lord. I will obsessively believe that God is with me and I will intentionally invest in who I'm becoming no matter what happens around me. Well, next week we're going to pick up on Joseph's story and we're going to learn how do you become this faithful servant that God wants you to be. Next week we'll learn how do you follow God from your present position to fulfill your greatest purpose. I can't wait to teach that from God's word. But right now, let me pray for you. Pray for us as we follow God together. Lord, we come to you today. And uh, God, if I'm honest, I don't have as strong of faith as Joseph did. And I, I think every one of us in this moment, if we're honest, we, we say, God, uh, there's distractions and difficulties in our lives that have kind of gotten our eyes off of you and this faithful life of serving others as unto you. And so, Lord, we just pray in this moment, would you inject faith into our hearts? Would you shape our hearts to be like you? And Lord, would you lift our eyes up above our circumstances and our positions to see you as our Savior, the Savior of the world, and to be reminded that we're here on this earth for a short time to bring about your kingdom. Lord, that we will give an answer to you for each of us individually. Lord, and when we stand before you, each one of us, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so God, in this season of life, would you help each of us to become the men and women of God that you want us to be? Lord, we trust your hand that even when we go through difficulty, it may be positioning us for greatness if we will live a life of service as unto you. So we trust your hand even when things in our lives don't go the way we want. We trust that you're the master engineer, that you're orchestrating all of our circumstances. And so we choose to trust you to obey you, to follow you today and this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.